0: Amen. Well, I'm guessing, given the title of today's sermon, that I've already got your attention. The title is Sex and the New You. So I'm going to just skip the introduction, and we're going to dive right into the Scripture, all right? So open up to Ephesians 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, verse 17. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll give a Bible to you. It's page 675 on the Bible that we hand out, and um, I uh, put this... Title out there, and I immediately got a text from my wife saying the kids are wondering if you're really serious about that sermon title, and uh, I started got nervous about it, uh, and then I looked back at the text and I thought, no, that captures it just about perfectly. That's what this is about. It's about sex and the new you. So Ephesians four verse seventeen, let's look at that together. Paul writes, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And those are all words of of sex, which we'll see uh, later on in in verse 3 of chapter 5. They're all associated with sexuality. Verse 20, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. All right. G- Jesus, through Paul, has a message for us this morning, which is simply this, is that God is redeeming your sexuality too. We've been looking at uh, all the ways that God is re- working his redemptive work in the book of Ephesians, and we find out that actually this part of, our, of how we're made is being redeemed as well. And in this text, Paul calls up two seasons. There's first of all the season, the despair of yesterday, and then the hope of of today, So the despair of yesterday and the hope of today. Uh, now remember, I want to remind you, this is a turning point in the book of Ephesians. We have been studying uh, chapters 1 through 3 really about uh, sitting in the truths of God. That we're chosen, adopted, beloved, redeemed, sealed children of God. We, if you haven't committed that to memory, I encourage you to do that. Somebody came up to me after first service and she would committed this to memory and seen God really working in her life in a special way. Chosen, adopted, beloved, redeemed, sealed children of God. When you're in a moment of darkness in your life, you need to be able to remind yourself, this is who I am. And that's what chapters 1 through 3 are all about. It's about sitting in the truths of God's love. In chapters 4, 5, and 6, now we're walking in the truths of God's love. So the first word, we need to accept who we are, but now we've got to do something. We've got to walk, and that's why it says, uh, I, I, you know, walk, don't, no longer walk as the Gentiles. We're going to walk in this new way. That's what, that's what Paul intends for us in these four chapters. And observe the order. The first thing that he talks about is unity in the community of faith, and then diversity in the community of faith. That's the last two weeks. And there's, some be- there's a beautiful combination of our unity and diversity that actually makes us strong to be able to meet the challenges of this world. And as a church, we lean into those truths. And what's the next thing he comes to? He comes to our sexuality. And he talks about the importance of who we are as human beings made with a a sexual component to who we are and how that fits in with God's plan for us. And and, and why would he put it here? He must put it here because it's really, really important. And that, in fact, is the case. We think about all of creation pointing to God. All of creation points us to understanding of God. And sexuality, sex, is a commanding element of our, of our creation, right? We, we know that. It, 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 it dictates a lot of what people do. It's, it's constantly in people's minds. It's, it, it, it drives and motivates people to do uh, good things or, or bad things sometimes. Um, sex is a commanding element of the world that God created, and so we have to grapple with its place in our lives and, more importantly, God's intention for it Uh, for us to understand Him. Because you see, the the testimony of Scripture is actually uh, contrary to what some believe, that sex is a good, wonderful, blessed gift from God. And it's meant to help us understand the nuance of who God is and faithful covenant love between two people, so that our minds would have the furniture to be able to grasp the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. It's very good. It's very blessed. It's very important. But because it's so powerful, when it's botched, when it gets botched, it can wreak a lot of havoc. And that's what you see. Look with me in verses 18 and 19. You see how much havoc can be wreaked by a corrupted sexuality. Verse 18 says, they are darkened. Now, Paul's referring to the Gentiles here who, before they came to faith in Christ, were living apart from God. He says, they are darkened. This is really the case for all of us, though. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And there are two parts to our sort of broken sinful brokenness as pertains to sexuality in the text, those two verses that I just read. The first one is there's a mental component to it. Dark, darkened minds, alienated, ignorant, hard-hearted, hard minds that don't want to learn uh, things. Now, this is something that characterizes all human beings, and if we think about some of the, the great stories of this world, in many cases you'll find there's a character that embodies this battle. So if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings, for example, think of Gollum in this, right? In Gollum, um, if you read the books or saw the movie, you see this tortured creature who's continually going back and forth between darkened mind and an enlightened mind. Or if you're a Star Wars fan, maybe you can think of Anakin Skywalker and his, you know, descent uh, into darkness And it's funny because we watch that and we think, oh, it's so clear and so obvious what's happening. Why doesn't he just stop? Or why doesn't Gollum just stop? And when you're sitting on the outside, oftentimes this characterization of the human condition is like that. We think, oh, it's so easy. But when you're in the middle of it, and the fact of the matter is that all of us as human beings struggle with the darkness of mind that comes from sin... When you're in the middle of it, it's often hard to see your way through and to see to the light. And this is the condition that we find ourselves in apart from God. But it's not just mental, the other part is physical. And here we have these words, sensuality and impurity. These are terms for corrupted sex, and we see them aligned with sexual immorality in chapter 5, verse 3, where it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity, that's the same word, or covetousness, that's the same word translated greed. All right, so we're in this realm of sexual immorality, corrupted sexuality, a sexuality that's not what God intended for us in Genesis, but it's something that has been diminished and darkened, and we become alienated because of it. Now, let me just define what, what is described in Genesis as healthy sexuality. And I'll just say one sentence about this um, Corrupted sex is anything outside of God's beautiful Genesis plan of healthy sexuality between a man and a woman who are in a marriage covenant. That is the place for healthy sexuality that God has ordained since the beginning of time, and it's a beautiful gift to be enjoyed and to be a pointer towards God's faithfulness and covenant love for us. Now, accompanying the physical element in this text, you'll see that it also comes with a kind of a callousness, which means that there's a lesser, that just simply refers to a lesser and lesser ability to feel. And we see this oftentimes with corrupted sex. When sex has gone wrong, that our heart gets increasingly hardened uh, as a result of it. And, And of course, some of the worst cases when you see People, women who've been ensnared around the world, this is a huge epidemic right now, ensnared in the sex slave trade, and their hearts get hardened because they're abused continually and they have an incredibly difficult time coming out of that lifestyle. And I thank God for the people around the world, so many Christians around the world who are pursuing these women to help them come out of this broken callousness that has been the result of the abuse that people have taken their bodies through. And so we see uh, on, the, on the one side that, that, that phenomena of callousness. And then we see the greed aspect too. I love the way the NIV translates this. It says, it refers to it as a continual desire for more and more. And isn't that one of the dynamics of our sexuality that's also true? That when it gets broken and gets sideways, it's like we want more and more, but then it begins to satisfy less And less, and so we look in darker and darker places to meet those needs, never feeling never feeling fulfilled, but continuing to search in deeper and darker places. Two experiences have alerted me to the the, the force of this topic in our lives and how important it is as we think about not just following Christ, but life in general. The first one is 18 years of walking with dozens and dozens of people, mostly men, as they walk down dark paths of sexual corruption, dark paths of alienation, um, struggling with porn and lust and adultery and marriage issues, and and, and seeing the inner anguish of that day in and day out. I've seen this for 18 years. I've walked with people through this. I've seen families destroyed, marriages broken. I've seen people lose jobs as a result of their inability to control the impulses and the struggle with sexual sin. Or maybe they haven't lost a job, but they're being eaten up on the inside and their faith becomes anemic because they're feeling so guilty and struggling with so much. And you just, you know, the internet came on the scene and we just poured jet fuel on this whole problem because it becomes so easy to access all of this on the internet, and so it's an epidemic in our world right now, and it's incredibly destructive. I have even seen suicide as a result of this struggle. So I know how important this is, what Paul is saying, and maybe why he puts it third up in the book of Ephesians as he begins to talk about walking in the ways of God. But I had another experience. Recently, uh, I spent three and a half months apart from my best friend of 21 years, my wife. And it was intent. We made this decision prayerfully and and carefully to bless the family by staying behind here while they went to do a a cultural immersion program in Europe for three months and to learn to speak French and, and learn the culture. And it was a good decision, but it was difficult. And God did something in me, uh, I had no idea how the loneliness of that three and a half months would help me to appreciate more fully and understand on a new level what many of us, many of our single people wrestle with on a day-to-day basis. And I know three and a half months is, is not that long, and, and many of you told me such when I tried to complain about my situation But it was humbling, and I hope and pray made me a little bit more understanding, and I think a little bit more in tune to what we're talking about in this text here. And what I was reminded is that apart from God, I can do nothing, right? That's true for all of us, which leads to the second point. So the first point is the despair of yesterday. The second point is the hope of today, because Paul wants us to know that there is hope in the middle of this struggle. Look with me in verse 20. After he sort of outlines, you know, some of the issues, he says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. Now, Time out for a second. We, we need to talk about this statement, the truth is in Jesus. And some of you are visiting for today, the first time you've been here, or maybe you're just coming uh, a few times and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this, these are crazy people. They're talking about sex in and church. And, and wow, I didn't bargain for this. I didn't expect all this. Um, and you're wondering, what, what is this going to do to my life and how does this change everything? We need to pause and just say something very important right here, that the very first thing in your spiritual journey is for you to grapple with the truth. And here's the interesting thing about this text. This text tells us that the truth is not merely an idea. The truth is a person, Jesus Christ. And so if you're in that place where you're sort of seeking and searching, first of all, man, we want to be the place where you feel comfortable to do that. So please, be with us, be honest, we don't care. Just let this be a place where you seek and you search But I want to encourage you, in that process, don't think just about ideas. Think about a person. Truth is not just merely an idea. Truth is the person of Jesus Christ. And and the the, the Christian teaching is that Jesus is not dead. Is not a dead person. He rose from the dead. And so it's it's about a relationship with a living Lord. And once you begin to connect yourself to this person, Jesus, you will see that Jesus is the most loving, gracious, kind, amazing, wise, sacrificial leader that this world has ever seen. And that he wants to apply all of his goodness and love to you. And the greatest moment of that was on the cross when Jesus hung there to die an atoning sacrifice for our sin so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And he demonstrated his great love for us in that moment. And the way that you begin this walk this relationship with Jesus is through faith how do you reach out and shake Jesus hand and begin this it's by faith saying in your mind in your prayerful mind Jesus I believe you're out there I don't know everything about you but what I know I like and I want to begin to follow you I want to know what it means for you to be my lord I want to know what it means for you to be my savior see that's that's the essence of of it all right there so start there. And then, and then after we get that part, then we start to think about what does it mean to be a working person? What does it mean to be a married person or a single person in light of who Jesus is? What does it mean to be a sexual person? What it, see, every piece starts to get dealt with in life after we make that first step. And so, please, that is the key. That is the first part. But once we start following this Jesus, having a relationship with him through faith, Three things happen right here in this text. You put off the old self, you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new self. Putting off the old self, I think, is another way of talking about repentance. Uh, it's acknowledging sin, in this case, sexual sin, and it's turning away from saying, I, don't, I know that's not right. I'm going to turn away from it, and God, I need your help to help me walk in the other direction." That's what repentance is. We start our relationship with God by repentance from sin. But you may not know this. If you're ever in a dry spot, if you're struggling with your faith right now, repentance is perhaps one of the greatest ways for you to jumpstart and revitalize your faith. To just go to God and repent of sin and turn from it. That's what that word means. And allow God to work in your life. It's a starting point. Next it says we're renewed in the spirit of our mind. And I love this because it's not just about having new thoughts, although it is about that. Our minds are changed. Our minds are renewed when we come to Jesus. And we have new thoughts, a new vision for what life is supposed to be like. All of a sudden, the Genesis vision of life starts to make sense as we see it all tied together. So we do have new thoughts, but it's not merely new vision, new thoughts. It's also a new spirit. Do you see that? It talks about the spirit of the mind, small s. Did you know that There's a Holy Spirit, capital S, that's God. But there's each person has a spirit as well, small s. And there are many places in the New Testament that use the small s to refer to the spirit of the person. And that spirit inside of us when we come to Jesus has changed. There's a new, to put it in our common vernacular, there's a new vibe, okay, about the person. And I think a great way to talk about this vibe is that it's characterized by hope that the despair of yesterday no longer has to define who I am, but the hope of today because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection can begin to define who I am. And that spirit characterizes how we think and move through the world. And then thirdly, it's putting on a new self. In the mystery religions around the time that Paul was writing, there were these different religions. They call them mystery religions. When they would do whatever they did, they would oftentimes put a new garment on the person. And Paul takes that new garment language and pushes it to a whole nother level. He says, not only when you come to Christ, are you going to get a new garment on the outside, you are literally going to get a new self on the inside. He doesn't care just about what's on the external, but what's inside. Transformation. And some of us, with respect to our sexuality, are living with new garments on the outside. In other words, we're trying to show people that we're okay but we're being torn up on the inside. And we're living out the despair of yesterday on the inside in sin and brokenness as it pertains to our sexuality. And Paul is saying that God envisions something much greater for you. Not just mere putting on a new garment, making yourself look good on the outside, but literal actual transformation on the inside. That's what God has for us. That's his vision. And he's given us the resources: love in Christ, the Holy Spirit, the truth of the words in scripture. And as we talked about last week, such an last week was such an important section in the scripture. So please if you missed that, maybe you go back and listen to it. So important. He talked about how the body of Christ is the provision of God for us, and each person has been gifted And if we're not all bringing our gifts, then the church is diminished and we're missing something. So you gotta bring your gift to the people of God. And a lot of times that doesn't mean that you're serving in some titled way, but you're just seeing the needs of the people around you and meeting them in the ways that you can. And when we do that, people get healed in all different kinds of ways, including with respect to their sexuality. And that's what God has for us. That's what he wants for us. And I've seen this happen many times where people gather together in small groups. And I've been a part of these small groups with people. And I have accountability partner. I've been meeting with him for 16 years every Monday morning, okay? I know what this is like. This is the way that we get changed and transformed. is is we get together in community, we let the Holy Spirit and the Bible work in our lives. And so here's the thing I thought of, just to cut right to the application, since i got to be short today. Um, To cut right to the application, what I'm envisioning is that in this local body, we would create a myriad of little partnerships. We call these Emmaus partners. Groups of two and three people, same sex, who'd be willing to grapple with some of these challenges together. And so I'm going I'm to make this real time because Paul's bringing it up right now in the life of this church, in this scripture, so let's just deal with it right now. What I'm hoping and praying for is that some of you who are burdened and enslaved with some of these sins will reach out And find some help. And what I'm envisioning is that we could could accomplish this by creating these little groups of two and three where people can get together. We'll provide you with a good resource so that you can start to work and see God working on you to bring healing and victory in this area that is so important to our health and our lives as spiritual people. So I'm going to invite you to do something a little bit daring, a little bit courageous maybe, and, and that is I'm going to invite you to reach out to me, if you're, if you're a guy, or to Cindy Wu, who's on our church council, if you're a woman. And I'm going to invite you uh, to put yourself out there if you're struggling with, with lust or pornography or you have dating questions or same-sex attraction or adultery uh, or uh, marriage problems. I'm going to invite you to take a courageous step this morning as the Holy Spirit prompts you and leads you to reach out. To allow the community to be a part of the healing process that God intends for you, He has a much greater vision for you. Here's how we're going to do this: is we're going to put the email addresses up of mine and of Cindy Wu here. And I would like, since you already are used to taking out your phones, this is twice in one Sunday. Have everybody take out your everybody take out your phone because I want to create an environment where there's confidentiality and people who are really struggling in this area can seize this moment while the iron's hot, while the scripture is being unfolded, and do something about it, okay? So everybody take out your phone, please, even if you don't intend to respond to this. And send, everybody send an email to me or to Cindy. And if, and if you're not struggling right now, then just, you know, say hi. Um, tell me you like my shirt, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, but if if you are struggling with some of these, and God is prompting you, this is the moment for you to s- step out on a new j- journey to bring this into the light. Okay, then say that and d- identify what you're struggling with. Is it pornography? Is it dating questions? Is it same sex attraction? Is it, um, is it uh, adultery um, or marriage problems? And depending on on how you frame that, then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna work this through and create some partnerships or give you resources to be able to address this. And so we want this to be confidential. So that's why we're just having these two people. Cindy, who's on our church council. If you don't know her, she's awesome and, and, and loving and will, will bless you. Um, and, and for me, and you might say, well, I don't want to email my pastor. Look, I've seen it all. I've seen it all, okay? I've seen, I, I can't even describe the things that I've seen in my 18 years of pastoring, right? It's just, I've seen it all. So don't, I don't care. I just want you to be healed because I believe that's what God wants for you. So don't be shy. Send that to us and we're going to get this. I mean, statistically, I should be getting lots of emails, right? I mean, if the statistics are right about how many people are really struggling with this. Um, So if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, please respond. If it's time for you to be done, it's time for you to live into the freedom in Christ that Christ has for you, then please step out in faith and let's do this together. Lord, would you meet us Help us to embrace this freedom. We don't want just a garment to cover up our sins and and, and then be torn up on the inside. We want true transformation on the inside. So please meet us in this. Give us your resources and your hope, Lord. Just think of the woman who came up to me after first service and and said, I'd given up on this particular area of my life. I didn't think God would ever be able to fix it. And guess what? He's done a work in my life. Don't give up hope, people. God is still working. Don't give up hope. And he wants to make us like himself in righteousness and holiness. And that's a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much that you want, don't want us to stay as we are, but you want us to grow. And we pray this in your name. Amen.